Last week, Christy started the series. She told the story from the book The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson of Honey, the Circle Maker. That's where the book came from. It's this story that was found in the first century BC of this man named Honey. The Israelites, the Jewish people, they were in the middle of a drought. No rain. And Honey, he went out. He went out to pray to God. And the legend says that he drew a circle in the sand all the way around. And he sat down in this circle and he prayed, God, God of our fathers, I am not leaving this circle until you provide rain, until you provide rain for your people. And it began to rain. And it, back and forth, he prayed and he prayed. And it was an example of someone who was committed to prayer, committed to prayer. That would be a daunting thing to get into that circle and say, I'm not leaving until God comes through. But this was the faith that he had. This was the faith that Honey had. He prayed for rain, and it rained, and the nation, the drought was over. Christy taught, uh, used the story of Joshua and the Israelites when they were, you know, used the story of the Israelites. They were slaves in Egypt, and then they were delivered, and we'll talk a little bit about that today. Moses and the Israelites crossing the Red Sea, and they are in freedom now. They've been delivered from Egypt, and they wander through the desert, and eventually God says, it's time to go to the promised land, the land that I have provided for you. And so Christy told the story last week of these Israelites they're about to attack the city of Jericho, the, the city and the land that God has promised. And God says, here's what I want you to do. This is a mighty city, huge walls, impenetrable for the Israelites to do. And God says, you don't have to worry about that. All I want you to do is march around the city. March around the city every day. And then the final day, for six days, and then the final day, march around the city seven times. And the final time, lift up your voices and shout. And they do it. And the walls fall down. I love that song we taught this morning. One word and the walls fall down. He is the God of the impossible. They moved around the city, marched around the city, and the walls came down. That would be pretty cool to be a part of. And when I think of both those stories, Honey, the circle maker, getting into that circle saying, God, I am not moving until you answer this prayer. And the Israelites saying, God, we're going to be faithful. We're going to march around the city every day. I imagine about day three, or maybe after a few moments in that circle, they probably, if it were me, I would be thinking, oh man, what have I done? You know, can you imagine? If, you, if you're like that and you're like me, I would relate in this way, like sitting in that circle, like, oh man, we all have a voice. I think we all have a voice that is kind of that skeptical voice, like, what have you done? What if God doesn't answer this prayer? How long are you going to sit in this circle? You know, how long are you going to sit there with everyone looking at you like, okay, you said you weren't moving. It's been four days. you got to be getting hungry. You know, when are you getting out of this circle? Same thing with those Israelites that they received the promise from God and they were marching around. I imagine there were some times where that voice in their mind was thinking, are you sure you're doing the right thing? That voice of doubt. How long are you going to sit in this circle? How long are you going to march around this city? And I love those stories because we see the miracle. But those stories involve some risk, don't they? Those stories involve some risk. You've got to be a man of great faith to sit in that circle or to march around those cities knowing that God is going to come through. And that's what Christy talked about last week. But I love that idea of that faith that says, I know God is going to come through. Even in that middle ground where... Maybe you've been in a season where God has asked you to take a huge step of faith. We've been there where God said, take the step of faith. I'm going to provide. There's always that middle ground where the step is taken and you're waiting for God to provide and you're a little nervous. And I imagine that was the case in there. That voice in your head is like, 
You should doubt. You should be afraid. You should be cynical. You should be skeptical about this. But every time we see God come through, and I love those stories because of the step of faith, and then we see God come through. And I think this is by design. This is the way God does it. Here's kind of the point in me telling you all this. God wasn't just interested, I don't believe, in providing rain. When Honey sat in that circle and prayed, the rain was the miracle, but that wasn't the only thing that happened. What God was also interested in was raising up his people to be people of faith. What God was interested in, in this man, Honey, his faith and his trust, getting in that circle. He wanted Honey to trust him. And the rain was also awesome. The walls falling down in Jericho was an amazing miracle that God provided. But also at work there was God training his people to trust him to obey him. What he wanted, in addition to those walls falling down, was a nation of people that would listen and obey and have the faith to take those big steps of faith, to have faith to take those leaps of faith, to have enough trust in God to be willing to sit in the circle and maybe look a little foolish, to to walk around the city and to be made fun of by other people, to have faith to take a risk and to willing to be look foolish because you know that God is going to come through. One example, a very simple example of this, and maybe this is just dads who do this, but I thought with all my kids, whenever we'd go swimming at a swimming pool, inevitably something happened with each of my kids because they would be standing on the edge, and I I want them to learn how to jump in the water just with abandon. Like, just jump in. You're fine. And so it starts with, okay, here I am. You know, grab my hand. I'll I'll jump to me, and I'll catch you. Well, dads, what do we do every time we get a little further back, don't we? We love that idea of they're on the edge and they can't quite reach your hand this time, but you want them to jump because you want them to know that it's going to be okay. Dad's got you. You can jump. I've got you. But even if it's like an inch of room between their outreached hand and your hand in the pool, which I would always do, I could see them reaching out and I'd just get far enough back where they couldn't grab my hand. They had to jump a little bit and then I would catch them. I wanted my kids to learn that they could trust me. I wanted them to learn just that simple thing of, yeah, take a step. It's going to be okay. This is what God does with us. Sometimes it drives us crazy, similar to how I drove my kids crazy. They would say, why can't you just grab my hand? You're right there. Just move in like six inches, and this will be all fine. We love that with God. We, we say, God, I would love to take a step of faith, but I want to know how it's all going to work out. I want to know. I want to guarantee it's going to be okay before I take that step of faith. And God says, no, that's not what faith is about. Faith is about trusting me, even in that middle ground where you've taken that step, and yet the miracle hasn't happened yet. Do you still trust me? It's not just about the answered prayers. It's about us as people of God learning more and more to live by faith, to take big steps, to ask for big things in prayer, trusting God to come through. The, the writer of the book, The Circle Maker, is Mark Batterson, as I mentioned. And he has a great quote in one of the chapters, and I wanted to read that. It's going to be up on the screen. Can we put that quote up there from Mark Batterson? The circle maker, the greatest chapters in history always begin with risk. And the same is true with chapters in your life. If you're unwilling to risk your reputation, you'll never build the boat like Noah or get out of the boat like Peter. You cannot build God's reputation if you aren't willing to risk yours. There comes a moment when you need to make the call or make the move. Circle makers are risk takers. I love that. Circle makers, when we commit in prayer to pray big things, it involves some risk at times. Circle makers 
are risk takers. We're going to look at a story in the book of Numbers, which is in the first uh, few books of the Old Testament. If you wanted to follow along, there's a black hardcover Bible. There should be some Bibles in the, in the pew rack in front of you. But we're going to be in the book of Numbers, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, fourth book. So it's kind of near the beginning of the Bible. Numbers chapter 11, we're going to tell the story. Now, I mentioned a little bit about the Israelites. They were slaves in Egypt. And then God said to Moses, go to Pharaoh. I'm going to unleash my power. The ten plagues, you know, the water turning to blood, every frogs everywhere, locusts, boils. You know, if you're familiar with the Bible, you know this story. Eventually, Pharaoh says, okay, I've had enough. Take the Israelites and go. And Moses leads the Israelites out of Egypt across the Red Sea in miraculous fashion where God parts the sea. He leads the people into freedom, and now they are in freedom. But they're in the desert now, and what happens is right away. Now, you would think that that would be enough for the Israelites to say, we saw God, we saw God like overwhelm the, Israel, or the Egyptians like frogs all over, locusts. We saw God turn the water into blood. We saw God, when we came up to the Red Sea and we were trapped, we saw God take the sea and part it, and we walked through the sea. You would think that that would be enough for the Israelites to say, I'm never doubting again. What I've just seen is enough. I'm never doubting God again. But it doesn't take long, and what we see in Numbers chapter 11, it doesn't take long before they start complaining. And they're legitimate complaints. They don't have any food or water. So that's legitimate. Like, they're saying, okay, God, did you bring us out of Egypt just so we could die here? Just so we could die here? Why did you do this? Why did you bring us out? And they doubt that God is going to provide for them. They doubt that God is with them. They pray for food, and what happens is God provides food called manna. And every morning they would wake up, and there would be like this flaky substance all over the ground that they would use to make bread, and God provided every day. And you would think that would be enough. God, we see you every day. You, pr- you make food appear on the ground. That's pretty awesome. But where we pick up the story in Numbers 11 is the people are complaining again. And what they're complaining about is they have no meat, which maybe you're with me. I would be like, yeah, I want some meat. Where's, where's a steak? You know, this bread is great, but I would love something with a little flavor. And so they're praying, and this is where we pick up in Numbers chapter 11, verse 4. The words will be up on the screen. Numbers chapter 11, verse 4. The rabble with them, which I love, <laughs> I love that it says the rabble. When I first read that, I thought it meant like rabble rousers, like the troublemakers. Re- I wish that was the case. But really it means the, the foreigners that they had intermarried with. That's what they're referring to. Anyways, I'll keep reading. Now, the rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if, we on- if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. And now they're all like, oh, yeah, that sounds so awesome. Remember that food in Egypt when we were slaves? That was excellent. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. They're complaining. And God, this is a great story. If you think the Bible's boring, you should read this whole chapter. There's so many details in here where God gets tired of their complaining. There's one moment where God hears them complaining before this, and one night, all of a sudden, he just causes fire to surround their camp. So the Israelites are complaining, and all of a sudden, their entire camp is surrounded by fire. God's basically his way of saying, 
quit your whining. You know, if only as parents we had that ability, you know, in the backseat. All we have is, as parents, like, I'll turn this car around. We can't surround our children with fire. That would be so sweet. Like, if you don't stop your whining, if you don't eat that food that's on your plate. Um, but this is what God is doing. God, and so this whole story, eventually God gets tired of their complaining. He says, you want meat? You can read this later on in the chapter. You want meat? I'll give you meat. I'm going to give you so much meat, you're going to be sick of it. He says, it's going to be coming out of your nostrils. That's how much, you want meat? I'll give you meat. It's, I, I love it because I just relate as a parent. Like, you won't eat that? You want different food? The food that we have prepared for you, you won't eat that? And, you know, you just sense a little bit of that going on. God the Father saying, I'll give you meat. And so what happens is God provides. God says, okay, Moses, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to provide meat for the people, and I'm going to provide enough that they'll have it for a month. A month's worth of meat for this entire nation of people, about 600,000 people. So what Moses does is he does the math. He's thinking to himself, this is not going to work. This doesn't add up. And we read that in verse 21 and 22 of the same chapter. It says this. But Moses said, he's talking to God here, Here I am among 600,000 men on foot, and you say I will give them meat to eat for the whole month? Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? We're going to pause there because that is such a key point. And what I mean by that key point is this. Moses is doing the math in his head, and it doesn't add up. Moses is saying, this doesn't add up. God, there's 600,000 people here. How in the world are you going to provide meat for them, not only for a day, but for a whole month? Moses is doing the math, and it does not add up. And I wanted to pause there and talk to you for a few minutes about that. Have you ever been there? Maybe it's that voice that I was talking about, that voice of doubt. Have you ever been there where you're doing the math in your head? God has said something to you. God has promised something to you, and you're doing the math in your head. Man, I just think we... We're terrible at doing math when it comes to God things, when it comes to miracles, because we think this isn't going to add up. This isn't going to work. That voice is talking like, God said this, but here's the numbers. You add this and you subtract this, and it's not going to work. That voice of doubt saying, you can't trust God. I've done the math. It doesn't work out. I think so often we limit what God wants to do in us, what God wants to do through us, because we're so busy doing the math. We're so busy just saying, okay, God, well, I've added this, I've figured this, and I think we limit the miracles he wants to perform in our life because we're just doing our own math. We're terrible at math. I'm terrible at math literally and spiritually, I think. Um, I remember as a kid, one of my earliest memories as a kid it was in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Say that 10 times. Well, don't say that 10 times fast now because that would be distracting. Um, I, would, I would remember as a kid there was a corner store that sold candy like five houses down. Remember, you know, as little kids, we don't remember a lot of things. I just remember always walking to that corner store. And I remember what I would do is I would have coins. I would find whatever coins I could have. Back then, pennies were good for something. So I'd have pennies and maybe a few nickels. And the candies cost like maybe a cent. And I would go to the guy, and he got used to me and my brother coming down there. I'd walk up, and I'd, hand, I'd show him what I had in my hand, and I would simply say, what, what, what can I get for this much? You know, I'd basically give him the money, and I'd trust him. Like, I, I would say, I, I don't have a lot, so I'm basically, what, what can I get for this? I, I had done the math, and I would be like, okay, I'm pretty, you know, I'm over-spiritualizing this here, but in my head, I was like, okay, I'm pretty limited in what I've got here, so I'm going to temper my expectations accordingly, because I know I've got like a few pennies, and I would simply sheepishly say, can I get anything for this? And I'd get a few candies. I'm like, okay, that's awesome. I would expect limited things back because I had limited things to offer. 
right? Well, we approach God like this as well, don't we? God, I don't have much, therefore I'm not expecting much. I'm not expecting much back. I've done the math, I see what I've got, and I am tempering my expectations accordingly because I've done the math. Our math seems logical. We add and subtract, but God math is multiplying. God math is exponential. God is supernatural. So what ways in your life, not like the corner store is the little kid asking for candy, what ways are you doing your own math in your life? What ways are you adding things up saying, God, I know you asked me to do this. God, I know you said pray for this big thing. God, I know you said you wanted me to take a step of faith in this, something you want me to do in my marriage or my family or in my career, but it doesn't add up. It's not going to work. I've done the math, and it doesn't add up. And you temper your expectations of what God is going to do based on you're trying to figure it out yourself. Are you doing your own math? Perhaps it's a job change that God is calling you into something new and you're adding it up. I've been there where I had a job change and I would spend a lot of sleepless nights doing the math in my head thinking, this is not going to add up. And all along God is saying, would you leave that up to me? Would you leave that up to me? Would you trust me? And just take that step. Just pray for the big things. Just circle that in prayer and commit to praying through that and I'll do the miracles. That's what God is saying. So God eventually replies to Moses, Moses has done the math. He's saying, God, there's 600,000 of us. How in the world are you going to provide food? You're going to provide meat for a month. And in verse 23, it says this. The Lord answered Moses, and this is what I want you to get today. The Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? Now you will see whether or not what I say will come true for you. Is the Lord's arm too short? Short. Another translation, another way of putting it is this. Is anything too difficult for me? This is what God is saying to Moses. Is there anything too difficult for me? This is God's reply. And so Moses circles that promise, circles that in prayer, and trusts God that God is going to provide. And in verse 31 and 32, we read what happens. Jump ahead a little bit. Verse 31 says this. Now a wind went out from the Lord and drove quail in from the sea. Quail are birds. Drove quail in from the sea. It scattered them, oh, it scattered them up to two cubits deep all around the camp as far as a day's walk in any direction. All that, so right there, do the math. <laughs> That's funny because I mentioned that before, but two cubits deep is like three feet deep as far as a day's walk in any direction. That would be like 15 miles in any direction. So I, I did some research because I'm a full-service pastor on Sunday mornings. But this would be like Farmington, Lakeville, Apple Valley. Actually, Farmington, Lakeville, Rosemount, the area of that, times 10. Okay? That area, about 700 square miles, three feet deep in birds, which is gross. <laughs> but apparently if it was like bird, you know, if it was like, stuff that you could put on the grill, I guess you'd be like, yes, this is awesome. So we're going to continue on. Verse 32, all that day and night and all the next day, people went out and gathered quail. No one gathered less than 10 homers, which is, is like a, a lot. It's like as much as you can carry. Uh, they, then they spread them out all around the camp. So God came through. This is a no doubt situation. This isn't like Maybe, uh, maybe a small herd of animals wandered in, and they're like, yay, we got them. And was that God or was that natural? This is like a no doubt this is God. 
This is God. The quail, I read, you know, this, as far as they were from the ocean, quail would be right along where the water is. So this wind that God came in blew these flocks of birds. Enough, I mean, a lot of birds, to cover three feet deep, 700 square miles. This was a no doubt, this is God situation. God has provided. What an amazing, I mean, I would just love to be there. Again, they've, these Israelites have seen so many cool things. But that day when they had prayed and God provided, or God had said he was going to provide meat, and all of a sudden they see what must have looked like just this big storm moving in, and it was birds, and they all settled right at their camp. I mean, that's an amazing miracle. So as we apply this, we're going to take another 10 minutes or so, and I just want to talk about your life. This story, how does this apply to you? How does this apply when we're talking about being circle makers in prayer, when we're talking about believing for God for big things, circling something and saying, I am going to pray through this. I am going to pray for this with faith and strong belief that God is going to provide. What is that in your life? What promises in Scripture do you need to circle in prayer? What do you need to circle in prayer for your marriage, for your kids? I mean, man, do we, need to, we need to circle our kids in prayer. What do you need to pray for your kids? We all have different things that our kids are facing. Every morning I'm like, I have different things that I'm praying for each of my kids. We need to circle our kids in prayer. What about maybe it's a fear or an anxiety that you're facing? Circle that in prayer saying, God, I trust you. Allow that faith to be the reassurance that God is going to take care of you. Maybe it's a dream that God has put on your heart that you're pursuing. And you're circling that in prayer and you're saying, God, I know, I know. It might be years ago that you heard from the Lord, but you can go back in faith and say, God, I know you spoke to me. I know I heard your voice. I know I heard what you wanted me to do. I am still believing that you are going to cause this to bear fruit. I'm still believing that you are going to provide through this. I'm still believing that you are going to provide miracles. What's the thing that God's put on your heart? In what way do you need to increase your faith in God today? In what way do you need to take a step showing that you trust God? Take a risk. That voice that I talked about, that voice of doubt, that cynical, skeptical voice, we all have it, and in some ways it's designed, we have it because it's designed to protect us. You know, it's that voice we hear if we're going somewhere and we have that voice in our head, don't go in there, that looks dangerous. You know, don't get too close to that fire, that's dangerous. It's that voice in our head that's designed to keep us safe. We have that voice, but... It would also say, don't risk that. It's too dangerous. Don't take that step of faith. It's too dangerous. And if we listen to that voice too much, eventually we just get stuck. Like, oh, I'm not even going to do that. I would never consider going on a missions trip to Panama. Oh, I would never consider being generous and giving my money to that person over there or uh, inviting that person into my house. Or I would never be take that step to say, oh, share my faith with someone or whatever it is. If you listen to that voice long enough, you're just going to get stuck stuck in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your faith. But instead of listening to that little voice of doubt, I want us to listen to the voice of God, our Father, who in every situation says those same words we saw him say to Moses. Is there anything too difficult for me? Is there anything I can't do? Is there anything that I can't do? Is there anything that's too difficult? So I want to encourage you to listen to the voice of your Heavenly Father. When you're circling things in prayer, come at it with the posture of faith. God, there is nothing you can't do. There is nothing you can't do. 
circle things in prayer, big things in prayer. Be willing to risk it, to be willing to take a step of faith, knowing, God, there is nothing too difficult for you. And I want to encourage you to do this because what we're doing as people of faith, it matters. It matters. What we're doing as people of faith, it matters. It matters that we take times to pray for our family. It matters that we're willing to take a step of faith, to take a risk, to trust God. It matters, not just for us, but for people around us. You never know what God is going to put into place after a step of faith, what, God, what door God is going to open after you take a step of faith. I wanted to illustrate this with a story from my life about 23 years ago. There's a picture uh, that I want to put on the screen. Um, this was a day that I was about to take a step of faith. Do we have that picture? Okay, so clearly that's a moment where I knew my picture was taken, and I said, make sure you flex, but don't look like you're flexing. That was one of those moments. So that's me. That was 1994, okay? So we're talking a long time ago. Um, 1994, it was a Friday afternoon, about 3 o'clock. That's me checking the oil in my 1977 orange Volkswagen Rabbit. Every, if the picture got cropped, but everything in the back seat is just filled, I'm about to leave Calgary, Alberta, and drive to Minneapolis, Minnesota, because I felt like God was saying, this is where I want you to go to school. I was 19 years old, North Central Bible College. I had, I had sensed that God was saying, take a step of faith, leave Calgary, and go to North Central Bible College. I, had, I did not know anybody in the United States. I didn't, I didn't know anybody in the United States. And so for me in that moment, I don't remember being super nervous. In fact, I don't remember it being like, oh, this is a huge step of faith. I think when you're younger, it's easier to kind of take those steps because there's not really a lot at risk. I'm like, really, the, the biggest risk was that that car was going to catch on fire about in, in Manitoba. Um, I think the bigger step of faith was my parents, one of whom is taking this picture, who are watching their 19-year-old about to drive all night to the United States and go to college there. But I wanted to put that up. You, you can take that picture off now because people are going to get distracted by my huge guns and my awesome, <laughs> my awesome jean cutoff shorts. That's where I was 23 years ago. I felt God call me to move to Minnesota. There we go. <laughs> Charlie's playing a joke on me up there. But that decision, I felt like it was kind of a one-time thing. Well, I'm going to go to school here. But I, I was thinking about that as I saw that picture. I saw that picture a couple weeks ago, and I was thinking, look at what, that wasn't a huge miracle step of faith, but something simple like that, hearing the voice of God and taking that step, look at what hinged on that decision for me in my life, okay? So I think, okay, I went to school at, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I met a girl, and we got married. We have four kids, all those things, you know, and then we started into ministry together, and we worked at some churches together, and we've gone on missions trips, and we've done things, and now we're planting a church together. All these things, you know, you can trace back to that moment, almost like Back to the Future style, where this moment in the space-time continuum. There was a lot of things that hinged on that step of faith, there was a lot of things that hinged on that. And it wasn't like when I got in that terrible orange Volkswagen rabbit and drove away that God said, yes, you've passed your test and now everything is smooth sailing. God doesn't do that. It isn't a one-time thing. What happened was God said, okay, here's a step I want you to take. Trust me, go here. And then 
he opens doors over here. And then he says, here's another step I want you to take. Here's a season we're going to walk through. Here's a step of faith I want you to take. Here's something I want you to do. He did that for me, and I see that. And, it's, and I sense him doing that more and more now. Like, we're, I want to take another step of faith. God, what is next? What is next? I want to take a step of faith. And this is the life of faith for each of us. If you're a follower of Jesus, if, you're, if you would say you're a follower of him and you want to do what he wants, this is what it is. This is life of faith. This is the life I want each of us to grow in. God, what step is next? I sense in my heart that I am too often listening to the little voice again, the little voice of doubt, like, oh, I don't know if we could do that. And I want to get over that. I want to get rid of that voice. I want to say, God, what's the next step? And then when we do it, we're going to grow, and we're going to, our faith is going to be strengthened. And then you're going to say, now here's a bigger step. And we're going to say, yeah, we can do it because what we saw you do in the past, we believe you're going to do it again. What's the next step? And when we do that, it matters. What we're doing as Christians, as people of faith, it matters. Coming to church, it matters. This isn't just something we check off the box, but this is something that matters. When we trust God for the miraculous, when we circle things in prayer, it matters when we pray for big things. When we pray through things, when we make prayer circles and we say, God, I need you to come through. It matters for our kids that we are, I mentioned this already, that we are circling them in prayer. You never know what God is going to do in your kids when you are a person of great faith and you're like, I am praying for big things for my kids. Look at the ramifications that that can have for them. I'm so grateful that my, I come from, Christy and I both come from faith generations before us, and I know my grandparents and my parents spent time praying for me. You can be that for your kids, for your grandkids. It matters to our marriage that we are people of prayer and people of faith. It matters to the person uh, at work. It matters to our community. It matters to our community that we are people of faith. Simple things like sharing the word of God with people at the Farmington Expo. You never know what seeds were planted there. It matters in our community. It matters to the person that this year you're going to share your faith with, that you're going to tell about Jesus. It matters that you're willing to do that. Eternity hangs in the balance. This is life and death. This is eternity. It matters that we are willing to step out in faith. And I'll tell you what, it matters for this church. It matters for Homestead Church that we are a people collectively that are willing to say, God, I'm in. I'm committed. I'm circling this in prayer. Not just for what we do here. We, we've got steps that we want to take as a church. I want us to be a church that collectively as people of faith, I don't want it to be just the pastor and, and I'm believing for everything. I want all of us as people of faith to say, God, we are in. We are in no matter what, whether it's a building that we want to take a risk and buy, and I think there is one that we want to buy, and I, whether it's a risk of we're going to raise money and support this or we're going to do this in our community. I need this church to be a church that says we're going to circle things in prayer. We are going to have big faith knowing that there is nothing too difficult for our God. It matters to our church. Thank you for that amen. We, it matters that we say more amens on Sunday morning. Um, you never know. You just never know what God is going to do with a, step, with a step of faith. Moses would have had no idea when he first heard God speaking through the burning bush saying, here's what I want you to do. He would have had no idea what God was about to do. But he was simply willing to say, God, I trust you. And I trust you more. And as he saw God work, he trusted him more and more. To see an entire nation set free 
walking through the Red Sea, to see an entire nation, food provided from the Lord. I mean, this is amazing stuff. You never know what God is going to do. It's the same God. He wants to do the same thing in us today, so let's be people of faith. And I have one final thought, because as I was preparing this message, one thought occurred to me is that there's probably people in here who are listening to this. Maybe you are just checking out church or you're, you still have that, a good deal of that cynical kind of skeptical voice. Or maybe there's people here and you would say this. You would say, sure, Moses was able to circle big things in faith, believe God to provide food, because look at what he had seen. Look at what God had already done. And you would say, if I had been in the situation where I saw God part the Red Sea, sure, I would believe then. Maybe you're thinking that this morning. If I had seen God do something, but maybe you're sitting there thinking, I have a hard time believing just because I've never witnessed God do anything like that. I've never witnessed that. Maybe you're thinking, I've never had the Red Sea moment. I've never had, I've been disappointed where I've prayed and the prayer has not been answered. Maybe you're thinking that and you're saying, it's hard for me to believe. It's hard for me to draw a circle in the sand and sit there and say, I'm staying here until God, you answer my prayer. Because maybe you've been there before where God, you felt your prayer has not been answered. Maybe you would say, if I would see a miracle, then I would have faith. Well, here's why I'm bringing that up. If that's you, I think for all of us, similar to a kid standing on the edge of the pool, ready to take maybe a little step, I would just like you to start with something. Start praying for something. Start praying for something in your family. This week, say, I'm going to commit to 10 minutes a day, and I'm going to pray for this one specific thing that I need God to do. And just start. And this is not... I'm not the guy who's got to, like, defend God, like, oh, Lord, please answer prayers, or else I'm going to look silly after what I pray. No, God is God. He's going to, he is almighty. He takes care of all that stuff. He takes care of the miracles. He answers the prayer. But I would encourage you, if you've never seen God come through with something in your life, just start. Just start. You can start now and say, I'm going to pray for this one thing, and then write it down. And it might be a week later, it might be a month or a year later, it might be a while, and you can look back and say, look at, look at what happened here. I prayed for that here. Look at what God did. I prayed for this, and God came through. And as we do that, it kind of is a snowball effect where we say, now I'm willing to trust him and pray for bigger things. Now I'm willing to trust him more and take a step of faith. And as we do that collectively as Homestead Church, I get excited for what God is going to do in this place and through this church. As a people of faith, one of the core values we have is we want to grow in our faith. So let's be a people that grow in our faith of God. We trust him to do big things. Amen? Amen.